0: Hey Keto Freaks, this is Carl Franklin and Richard Morris, and we have an interesting offer for you. Sure. We're going to start doing CPM-based advertising.
1: Yeah, that's cost per thousand.
0: Yeah, so you can essentially send us your ad, and if we like what you're selling... Yeah, that's necessary. Yeah, you can say, I want to buy 2,000 deliveries of this ad. Yeah, So that means you can control your costs right up front. There's no outrageous costs.
1: Yeah, and we can do audio advertising on the podcast. We can do advertising on our YouTube channel. We can do uh, banner advertising on the ketogenic forums and on our blog, targeted to ketogenic people. And we can even geographically target your ad.
0: That's right. Over 72% of our listeners are in the United States. Mm. About 10% are in Australia. About 5% in Canada. So if you have products that only exist in those countries, then you can target them only there. Well, where should we go for more information? For more information on how to advertise in Two Keto Dudes, go to sponsor.twoketo.com.
1: When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes, and within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around.
0: And this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking.
1: Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make.
0: And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies we love to cook and we love to eat oh yeah and every episode we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored cannot <laughs> no so richard let's start podcast number 54 the toffee show so what does toffee mean Carl? Tofu means thin on the outside Fat on the inside, which is a a condition that um, many people find themselves in. They are lean or not overweight or not obese, but yet they have all the metabolic syndrome problems that everybody else has. But we'll talk about that in a minute. First, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, we've actually got one. Uh, this is
1: from, uh, Fiorella, one of our most prolific, uh, recipe writers in the ketogenic forums. Yeah. And, uh, Fiorella says, I think there may be an error in describing Pecorino Romano cheese on the show. As the name suggests, it's a cheese that's been consumed all the way back to ancient Roman times. It's a common staple of legionnaires. Right. And it's produced in the Lazio region where the capital city Rome resides. That's really where the name Romano comes from, Rome. Uh, The name is, in fact, protected, and Pecorino Romano is only made in certain areas. Uh, It's made out of sheep's milk, ergo the name Pecorino. Um, In Pecorino Romano, the Italian word for sheep is pecora. Oh. Uh, So um, that's where the name comes from. It's basically sheep's milk from Rome. Uh, Now, I think I mentioned it comes from the south, and that's, because I know a Sicilian who tells me that the best Romano cheese comes from Sicily. Well, <laughs> typical Sicilians. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, uh, Fiorella goes on to say that the, perhaps the second most famous pecorino cheese, that is sheep's milk cheese, is made in Tuscany, uh, but it's not as salty or pungent as the Romano. Mm. Uh, they generally milder and eaten as slices where Pecorino Romano is often grated and shredded Mm. and added to dishes. So a little bit like Parmesan. Uh, So uh, Fiorella says, while Pecorino Romano resides in the Parmesan category in American grocery stores, it's not made of cow's milk as the famous Parmigiano Reggiano is. So so that's our errata for the for the show. And just
0: to reiterate, I love Pecorino Romano cheese It's uh, oh, You yeah. can use it like salt because it's yeah. so salty And it's meaty, it has that meaty flavor mm, um, Absolutely, I make my keto breadcrumbs with it when I make chicken parm mm,
1: Nice <laughs>
0: So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is yeah. A ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you into a state of nutritional ketosis Where you're actually burning fat for fuel And a mm. byproduct of that is ketones And using fatty acids for fuel as well and uh, you can get there a number of ways, but a surefire way is what we follow. We eat uh, 20 grams or less of carbohydrates per day. Yep. And those usually come from green leafy vegetables or nuts mm-hmm. or dairy products, that kind of thing. Yeah. And we eat just as much protein as we should be eating, whether we're doing keto or not, which is about one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass you have. Sure. And as we've heard a number of times, there are a lot of people doing less than that and getting really good results uh, with lower insulin. Mm. But uh, we stick to that anyway uh, as a general rule. And then the rest of your calories and all of your fuel comes from fat, yeah. whether that's fat on your plate or the fat from that Krispy Kreme you ate a decade ago. Mm, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> got to do a keto Krispy Kreme. Somebody's got to come up with yeah. a keto donut.
1: I, I I think if we ask Fiorella, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: we'll get a recipe. She
0: might have one, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Richard, how was your week?
1: Uh, it was pretty good, actually. Um, I've had uh, the results of two experiments come in. Um, as you probably know, for the past two months, I've been eating uh, the Australian nutrient reference value for protein every day, mm-hmm. which is 0.84 grams per kilogram of lean body mass. Which, as you probably realize, is a lot less than I've been eating for the past year. For the past year, I've been between 1 and 1. 1.5 grams per kilogram. Right. But I wanted to see whether the Australian reference values would result in me gaining or losing lean body mass mm. if I, uh, limited myself to that for the, for the, two months. Uh, So I've got the results. I did a DEXA scan at the beginning, and I did a DEXA scan at the end. Now, part of this is confounded by the fact that my knee blew up halfway through this. So I've not been on my bike doing my long bike rides. And when I do my short bike rides, I've been using my right leg for most of the the pedaling, and the left leg is just a passenger. And so the DEXA scan actually shows... Well, I guess the the headline value is that I lost an insignificant amount of lean mass. I uh-huh. lost about 38 grams of lean mass over the 60 days, and that is in a body with a total mass of 80,380 grams. So it's really just a sampling error. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the interesting thing is that a DEXA scan will actually give you the lean mass and fat mass for each segment of your body, and this is a computer program that they uh, use to read the scan information and basically slice you up into bits and work out how how much the lean mass is in each bit and how much fat is in each bit. Now, the interesting thing about my results is that when I looked at the actual scan, my left arm is only half on the scan. And when I look at the, the DEXA results, the DEXA results show that my my right arm increased in size by 1.6 kilograms, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And my my left leg, which is the leg that the knee blew up on, which you'd expect to have atrophied a little bit, according to the DEXA results, it atrophied by 1.4 kilograms. So wow. those numbers don't make a lot of sense. So I'm going to talk to my doctor when I get back from, from uh, the States. How did
0: your arm not show up on the... On the daxa.
1: Well, the, you can actually see the scan when they do the scan. You can actually see your skeleton sitting on the on the bed. Oh, I and see. In mine, you can actually see that my my left arm is actually. Uh, uh, half on the It's out of range area. Yeah, so so the 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 operator didn't properly calibrate it for oh. for me when I when I was on the device. Yuck. So it's a bad measurement and it's there's, there's some weird numbers in it. For example, my right leg went from 9% body fat to 4% body fat, and hmm. that doesn't make a lot of sense. That yeah. that's the good leg that's been doing the extra work. There's no way that that leg is 4% body fat. It it's more like ten, nine to 10%. That's probably wow. more appropriate. So, okay. I, so I need to talk about, talk to the doctor about it. But the bottom line results is that, is that I certainly didn't lose any lean mass by eating 67 grams of protein per day, yeah. which is what 0.84 grams of protein per kilogram of lean body mass is for me. Uh, so I'm fairly confident that I can, uh, if I need to go as low as that, it's not going to cause damage to me and mm-hmm. I know from having done that for the past 2 months whenever I got close to not hitting 67 grams of protein in a day I got a I got an urge to eat something savory yeah. so I'm able to dial in on that now and I think I I've got a fairly good um uh, benchmark for 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 uh, what my uh, protein requirements
0: are. That's great.
1: Yeah. The other thing that happened was uh, that I, as you know, about uh, four months ago, I resumed metformin. I went off metformin right. for for four months uh, prior to that uh, because I wanted to make sure that my glucose was in control without any drugs at all. And it was, but my insulin sort of shot up. It went up from thirteen point seven, which is where it was, up to nineteen point eight. Well. Mm. Uh, four months ago, I started metformin again, and I've got my latest insulin result, and it actually shows that I'm back to 13.7. So I think we could probably say that metformin is able to keep my basal insulin low by a fair amount. It's basically keeping me in the physiological range. So, It's helping. The only other... Yeah, it is helping, and I think that I'm going to probably be on metformin uh, for the rest of my life. Hmm. So the other interesting thing is my HbA1c went up slightly from 5.2 to 5.3. Now, it's been 5.2 for three years now, so uh, I'm not quite sure why that's gone up. Um, I think part of the, my problem is that I've done too many things this month yeah. and I might have confounded myself by doing the protein experiment and this at the same time. Interesting. But uh, anyway, the The good news is that my uh, that my fasting insulin has come back down to just the top of the physiological range, Um, and my knee is getting better. In that, uh, my tendonitis has gone. They stick needles in the muscle, and that basically releases the muscle to um, to enable the tendon to relax. That's
0: sort of an acupuncture technique, right?
1: It is. It's actually called dry needling, and it's it's uh, it's extremely effective. I generally don't believe in acupuncture, but. This uh, process has really made a major improvement in my in my l- knee, and I intend to go skiing on it.
0: <laughs> All right, that's right. We're going to be in Breckenridge at the Low Carb Conference. Um, as people are listening to this show,
1: and I'm getting ready to go now. I'm flying out on Monday, and uh, we are having an open house uh, on Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, at, just after the mixer. So, uh, if you come and grab Carl or I at the mixer. Um, which is uh, at the Village Hotel uh, between six and eight. Uh, come and grab us, and we'll give you an invite and uh, and tell you where our we have a chalet with uh, you know uh, eighteen rooms or something ridiculous. Something ridiculous,
0: yeah. Party house.
1: It's it's the party house. Yeah. And I'm bringing beer. I'm bringing some uh, some zero carbohydrate uh, big head beer. So.
0: Fantastic.
1: So that was my week. How was yours, Carl?
0: Really, really good. Um, my infection is gone. Yay! Yay! And uh, I was a little concerned because uh, I had a cellulitis, of course, because it's an infection in my hand, and it mm. and it sort of bothered the skin. And um, talk to my doctor. You can, if you look at both my hands together, this hand, my right hand, is is redder than the left hand. Yeah, you, know? you can you can still yeah. see it. And I was concerned because this being my last day of doxycycline, I was concerned that, oh, the infection is still harboring and hiding in there and it's going to come back. Yeah. She told me that, no, it it probably won't, but there are still residual effects of the in, of the cellulitis, even though the infection is gone. Right. So you're still going to see an outline of the redness where it was red. Um, you're going to see that the skin cells are bigger, which you can definitely tell that they are bigger mm. and and still kind of, you know, just uh, that the hand is healing, even though the infection is gone. So that's what I'm hoping. But we're going to find out in Breckenridge <laughs> if... Uh, if the infection was, um, you know, resistant to the antibiotics, and some of those resistant strains stuck around, yeah, that's going to be a bummer for me. But yeah. um, oh, well. she tells me that the odds are in my favor that it's all gone. Awesome. So the other thing, as I mentioned last week, is that I'm doing Dave Feldman's cholesterol hack, oh, and yeah. if you remember, show thirty-eight, hacking cholesterol with Dave Feldman. Um, He talked about this protocol that he's developed whereby you spend a certain number of days. You have to be you have to be ketogenic, right? So you have to be eating ketogenic beforehand. But you eat the ketogenic macros, but a smaller calorie portion for a number of days. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was doing it at 750 calories. But he says it, it really doesn't matter you know, if you're a thousand calories or whatever, so long as it's consistent from day to day. Sure. And you do that for a number of days, reduce calorie.
1: He was five days, wasn't it?
0: Well, he did it for five days, but he's got a bunch of different options. I'm doing okay. it for three days. Okay, cool. And you take a blood test at the beginning, you take mm-hmm. another blood test at the end of the low calorie days, and then you do the same number of days, but high calorie ketogenic, 5,000 right. calories. Yeah. And let me tell you, I'm just the man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> I ate more food yesterday than I think I've ever eaten in my life in a single day. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Two bags of macadamia nuts. That was like 143 grams of yeah. macadamia nuts in each bag, about a thousand calories per bag. I had two of those. I had like a half a brie, a <laughs> bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, pepperoni. I had... Uh, about a half a kilo cooked ribeye. Yeah, we're talking. <laughs> with two tablespoons of butter on it. So you've been living good. Well, yesterday I didn't. Today yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to continue this you for two days. You
1: make your ears today.
0: <laughs> but just to reiterate what Dave said in that show, the idea is that he predicts, and he's had 100% success with this, that mm. after these three days, my cholesterol, my LDL cholesterol is going to plummet. Right. My HDL is going to go up. And my triglycerides are going to come down. In other words, everything moving in the direction that the uh, experts agree. A a cardiologist will want them to go in. Yeah, exactly. And so that sort of flies in the face of conventional wisdom about cholesterol. But I strongly urge that if you're interested in that, listen to Hacking Cholesterol with Dave Feldman, which was published in uh, October on Halloween, actually, last year. And it's episode 38. And I'm documenting this whole process with video. So nice. there will be a YouTube video, hopefully <laughs> next week, maybe the week after, um, about the whole entire process, including all my results and everything else.
1: Right. Well, that's awesome. I, I actually did his protocol, but only the the uh, hypochloric um, uh, v- version of it before my last tests, and my results all went in the, the direction that Dave predicted, they would my doctor, when she saw those results and I told her what I was doing, said to me, "Can you do me a favor and next time not do that <laughs> so no. that I can make sure that uh that I'm not seeing an artifact so uh so the last time I did my blood test, which was just last monday um i didn't I didn't do Dave Feldman's uh, trick, and we're going to see if my results. I should probably get them sometime next week. We should see if my results go back to their normal, and uh, and that should uh, that will be interesting.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, what is the doctor going to do? It's really, yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> new information. How do you you know right. you have to change your you have to change what you think is right and real.
1: One of the interesting theories Dave has is that people who are Getting a blood test, try to be really good by eating a small amount of calories right. prior to doing their test yeah. for a couple of days beforehand to you know to hopefully get good results. And what they end up doing is they end up getting bad results. So
0: it is interesting. He tells me uh, that doctors think they can just put a yardstick out in the pond, you know, and measure mm. it, and that uh, it doesn't change. But yeah. it's more like putting a ladder in the ocean. You know, it's, it's dynamic and it changes depending on what you eat. All right. Well, that's enough of that. You'll hear more from Richard and I about the ongoing saga of our (laughs) nutritional life next week, but now it's time to read some
1: (laughs) mail. So, uh, We've got a couple of interesting mails that came through uh, the ketogenic forums. Brenda posted an interesting topic in the newbies group called "There Is No Keto Rule Book." It's great, <laughs> and uh, this basically stems from the fact that uh, when we were on Facebook and we were running our keto group for so long, uh, we had a lot of people who are food purists. Now, there's nothing wrong with pure with with. Clean eating and all of the you know these movements to just eat real food and mm-hmm. and for the most part, we pretty much just eat real food ourselves, but um, there's a lot of people in the groups that would as soon as somebody would describe a meal that they ate that had a small amount of wheat protein in it, for example, mm. or soy, people would say oh that soy isn't keto. That's not or, keto. Yeah, gluten, wheat gluten isn't keto or yeah. what
0: have you. I used to eat Mahler's low carb bread sandwiches, you know. In fact, I right. did I did during my low calorie phase for a cheeseburger. Yeah. And you know, people told me, "Oh, that's not keto." Cuz yeah. it's wheat.
1: Uh, so Brenda writes, here's a tip. Don't get too dogmatic about anything. There's a that's a recipe for disaster. If you want to adopt this as a permanent lifestyle, it's important to relax and keep it simple. There's no one true way to be on a ketogenic diet. There are no rules or rule book. The only criteria is to remain in a state of ketosis. If you get bullied or chastised for eating a small, very low-carb Joseph's Peter because it has grains or if pearl just come out of the woodwork because you ate an artificial sweetener, if somebody jumps down your throat because you tossed some carrot shavings on your salad or ate peanut butter, remember, that's their problem, not yours. <laughs> there are elitists who believe that their chosen way of the ketogenic diet is the only true path. Mm. They're wrong. It's their path, not yours, which is why you'll see a lot of us more sensible old-time ketopians encourage N equals one, which is a personal experiment. That means that you are an experiment of one. All of our bodies are very different. Try things out and find out what works for you. You don't need to justify your choices. If it works for you, it needs to be respected. And you may cross paths with uh, somebody who uh, will attempt to shame you or insult you by saying that you are a dirty keto -er or that you do not practice true keto. They may state that you practice... IIFYM, which is uh, if it fits your macros, keto, in an attempt to try and make themselves feel superior. Uh, some will judge you for occasionally making keto sweets or low-carb alternative recipes. Seriously, screw them. Yeah. <laughs> they aren't going to succeed long-term. They need to focus on themselves, not judge others.
0: Well, they may succeed or they may not, but that doesn't give them yeah. the right to tell you what to do.
1: Yeah, but judging somebody else doesn't help no. your own case. Doesn't. Um, Folks will get all up in your business and tell you that you're eating too much or too little protein, too much or too little fat, yada, yada, yada. My point is no one knows what you need but you. Yes, you can use 20 net grams of carbohydrates as a starting point. That almost guarantees ketosis. And you can use an online calculator to approximate lean body mass in order to calculate protein. But again, that's only a starting point. Fat and protein are pretty flexible so that you can figure out what's best for you. Let me repeat, there is no one true way of the ketogenic diet. No rules, no rule book, only general, flexible, suggested guidelines.
0: Amen. The
1: cruel reality, if you are here to lose weight, you'll gain it all back the moment you go back to the standard American high-carb diet. Keto is not temporary or a quick fix. It's a way of living. It takes patience and time. Read and research. And if you are here to reverse your type 2 diabetes... Know that it can be done. I am living proof, says Brenda. Yeah, And I did it without following some fool's imaginary ketogenic diet rule book. My story is episode 21 at two twoketotudes.com. <laughs> Good luck. I've been ketogenic three years, and I'm not going anywhere. I got your back.
0: Yeah, Brenda. Yeah. You know, um, she's living proof. You're living proof. I'm living proof. Our guests are living proof. Our admins are living proof. My yeah. friend, um, Les... Who I told you about, bass player, who has been on yeah. insulin for a long time and was really overweight and and just miserable. He went on a mm. ketogenic diet in October. He just told me yesterday that he is completely off insulin. Oh wow! And his 30-day blood glucose average is 104. Wow! So he's essentially non-diabetic.
1: So he was down to half insulin, wasn't he in January? Yeah. yeah. So he's now he's now totally off it. That's he awesome. took
0: long-acting and fast-acting both and uh he just went keto and uh i said you want to come on the show as a guest he said what's to say eat bacon and eggs and uh rock on
1: (laughs) you can come on play some music
0: (laughs) yeah but i just you know it's it's being it's not that it can be done it is being done being done yeah All the time.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Here's another one from our community forum. Mm -hmm. This is uh, Brenda and Donna's 30-day steak challenge. (laughs) As an experiment to further disprove the notion of calories in, calories out, and that a lack of carbohydrate will result in death and ultimately weight gain. (laughs) In other words, conventional BS. Mm -hmm. The indomitable Brenda Zorn and myself, and this is Donna Lordy, who was on our show Mm -hmm. just a while ago. Brenda Zorn and myself are going to start a 30-day steak challenge at the end of February. The rules. Number one, you must eat only steak for 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) Two, water and coffee only, preferably. I will send one cute brain sticker to successful challenge participants. Simple enough? (laughs) Yes. Comrades, feel free to join us in our grand venture. We will probably blog and maybe record some hijinks on our own regarding <laughs> the experiment.
1: That's awesome. I think
0: this is awesome.
1: That's an N of two. Yeah. And anyone else who shows up.
0: And there's a couple of people who are doing it with them. Yeah. And why not?
1: Yeah, why not? I know that Brenda has just completed 240 hours of fasting. Wow. a fast. 10 days. She wow. was going for my record. I I did this, I think it was probably September or October, I did 10 days at fast, mm. exactly 240 hours. She wanted to know exactly how much I had, I had done so that she didn't want to beat me or fall short of the mark. She wanted to hit it and nail it, and yeah. she did, so good on yeah. her. I'm actually fasting right now. Because I'm about to fly overseas and I don't trust Qantas food, <laughs> yeah right. So, so I'm fasting. I intend to sneer at it.
0: You're, you won't be fasting in Breckenridge, though. We're going to be eating high on the hog. Oh no! Well,
1: I'm going to be. I'm going to be cooking. I'm going to be
0: eating. I'm going to be skiing. Well, you know, I already gained a pound yesterday. So, I, <laughs> and then in Breckenridge, I'm going to be eating a lot. But uh, yeah, as soon as we get back, I'll I'll start cutting calories again which is, you know, obviously that works. By the way, during my low-calorie phase, I lost two pounds a day.
1: Wow. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. And I put on one in the first day back. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, that brings us to our guests. You know, the content of this show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They've been sitting patiently listening to us blither on like idiots. (laughs) Right. Richard and I would like to welcome Matt Murray and Teresa Lance. Matt? Introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm
2: a admin uh, on the group. I'm skinny, and I have diabetes. It's
0: so exciting. Yeah, you and Peter Ataya <laughs> and Terry are all in that yeah. same category. Interesting. Yeah. Terry, introduce yourself.
3: Hey, I'm Terry, and I have been type two diabetic, and currently on a thinner side, so um, can relate with what Matt said.
0: Yeah, you both look great. You know, I just got to say, and it's not just like the your lack of obesity and, you know, your thinness, but um, body tone, skin tone, you guys look great. Thanks. Yeah, you're the best looking diabetics I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Certainly better looking than Richard and I. What, what is it about Toffees that gets everybody so worked up? Why is it that People who are in this state think that they're okay, and why is it that it just bugs us, big guys, that you know when these thin people have metabolic syndrome? Because you don't know, un- unless uh, you're intimate with their blood work. Uh, well, for me,
2: I yeah, I, I never considered myself overweight. I had a, a you know a bit of a belly. I was at my heaviest, I got to two, 204. two o four. I'm about six feet tall, so it, you know. When I found out I, I had diabetes, and it, that was uh, in August, I guess, um, my numbers had bounced around. My, my average blood sugar was like in the 130s, but my doctor would always say, you know, you're fine. You're skinny. There's no way that you can have diabetes, but oh, my blood wow. work said, said it did. And I just, not knowing, I, I let it go. Um, and I worked with a guy whose brother was a diabetic and that was, he mentioned A1C. It was the first time I I had heard that and I'd never had one done. My doctor had never had one done. So I kind of didn't go to a doctor for a few years. Then in in 2016, I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take better care of myself, went in and found out I was 172. My A1C was wow. se- yeah, 7.4. Oh, boy. Um, I had They had a checklist of, of things you go through, you know, high blood pressure check, high LDL check, low HDL check. Trigs were high. Uh, my glucose was high. I had a history of smoking. I'd quit some time ago when my children were born. Hmm. But basically, on the list of things that were going to kill you, I had all of them but one. But I was skinny, and everyone thought I was fit. So it kind of wrecked my worldview of 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 how i was taking care of myself yeah so uh there was uh, there really wasn't anywhere to 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 turn because the doctors put me on the standard you know eat eat 30 60 grams of carbs a meal yeah um you know eat your healthy grains and i did all that because i didn't know any better um and nothing was changing um and then i had a friend who was who was keto just because he found it interesting so i started that um and then I found you guys in August. Um, the angry as hell episode was the, f- right. the first one I one I heard, um, and I kind of knew that's where I was supposed to go. Did that? Got uh, my blood test back. My sugar was down. My A one C was down to five nine. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I haven't been to the doctors. That's on me. But I have a, a meter that keeps a history, and my ninety day history is is uh, ninety five now. My blood sugar's at wow. ninety five average over ninety days. So. I think next time I get my A1C, it will it will be better too. Sure. Um, but even now, when I, I go out to a restaurant and I eat like this, um, people people don't understand it. And I say, well, I'm diabetic. I, I can't have, you know, the sweet sauce on the food and all that. And they say, there's no way you could be diabetic. Yeah. You know, diabetic is for, you know, overweight and obese people. Right. And I never... You know, I don't know. People don't talk about diabetes maybe, but people are always stunned. And I I look at a lot of people um, and I can see their body type was just like mine or is just like mine was. And, you know, you kind of want to go up and go, I think you're in trouble, but you Mm -hmm. don't know it. And you guys talk about it all the time, how many people are, you know, not diagnosed. And so that's i went a lot longer than i thought to but that's my story so yeah i'm i'm skinny i wasn't i was diabetic i don't know what we're calling ourselves i don't know my my insulin level um i still consider that i'm ir but i've got everything pretty well managed all my numbers are better and it's all um it's all because of keto so yeah yeah you know i'm 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 hoping that people will hear this and listen and maybe there's some you know overweight people who have skinny friends that would never listen to this show and they can say wait a minute my friend sounds like Matt maybe I should tell them you know go get checked because get just because your you're skinny, checked oh that's what that's how I started it was 170 over 110 yeah, I was wow. I, I got that and I I completely panicked and that was what started me onto this path of, of getting healthy was my extremely high blood pressure yeah um, so yeah that's that's a good start but I, I think a lot of people that are skinny or thinner don't recognize how much risk they're putting themselves at Mm. You know, and and it's it is bad. I was bad. Now I'm good, and it's not hard to do at all to to fix things. It's delicious. (laughs) Yes, it is very delicious. (laughs) So sorry, I talked too long. But uh, Terry,
0: now it's your turn. Yeah, Terry, let's hear your story.
3: First, kind of going back to your question, Carl. I think that in our culture, there's such a stereotype of a certain degree of being overweight or obesity must mean. Health problems, and so we look at someone certain degree of obesity and assume I should check for diabetes. They they're probably diabetic, and so I think that if you haven't kind of reached that threshold of obesity or being overweight, I think people just don't assume it. They just assume you're fine. Um, In my case, I was overweight um, at the time that I was diagnosed, but I guess not to the point where that was. A go-to for my doctor. Mm. So I was diagnosed in 2002, so 14 and a half years ago. And when I was diagnosed, it wasn't because I was having um, other health problems, really. And the doctor didn't think to check for diabetes. I actually asked her to check for diabetes. Um, I was having recurrent yeast infections, which I knew mm. could be connected. Sure. So I asked to check for that. Um, so when I was diagnosed, my HbA1c was somewhere over 12.0. I don't remember the number.
0: Wow. Name. Wow. Indeed.
3: My blood sugar was 318. Wow. So it was pretty bad. At that point. And at that time I was 33.
0: And what's your height? What was your height and weight at that time?
3: I'm 5'4. I don't know my weight. I would say probably around 175. Yeah. Somewhere so I was overweight, um, but I right. think, you know, somehow just wasn't at that threshold where she assumed we better be checking for these things.
1: Right, right.
3: So since then, i um, been on a multitude of different medications. Um, I've been a bad patient. I went for periods of time without going to the doctor, didn't have tests done, would stop taking medications. So um, I am definitely not the model um, diabetic patient.
1: You're actually a healthcare professional too, aren't you?
3: I'm a psychologist. Yes, just, I was at the time that I was diagnosed, and so right. you know, there were periods of I didn't have health insurance, didn't have money, and so yeah, I really didn't effectively and I didn't make any changes with how I ate. And very little change around
1: exercise. Mm. Um, It'd be difficult if you weren't overweight because that's an obvious intervention that you can make. If you if you're told that your glucose is bad and you could be diabetic, you could say, "Well, I'm going to go on a diet and lose some weight." But if you're not overweight significantly, it's not an obvious intervention to make to change your diet.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, it wasn't one really that my doctor at that time suggested. You know, I know a lot of people hear yeah. that, like, "Well, go weight and this will improve." Mm. I don't think I was really encouraged that. But I was um, schooled in the um, 75 carbs per meal and 200 and some per day. Mm. Um, So obviously, I stayed pretty sick for quite a while.
1: So what's your HBA1C now?
3: Well, um, my HBA1C at the end of January was 5.3.
1: Wow. Well done.
3: (laughs) Thank you. And at the time when I was in and out of treatment and things, um, I did. I think that the best um, A1C that I had during that time was probably somewhere around 7 to 7.5. And my doctors were fine with that. They were happy, just, you know, monitored my dosage and whether they need to add any other medications. But they were kind of happy to keep me right there.
0: It's really strange, isn't it? It's insane.
1: The standard of care is to medicate somebody to, to 7.5, because if you medicate them to 5.5, then there's a chance that you can over-medicate them and they go hypoglycemic and have a, fall into a coma and die. So These doctors
0: have never heard of gluconeogenesis. <laughs> right. They don't know that the liver's got a backup plan.
1: That's true. But if they're giving you drugs that is going to inhibit that, then, yeah. you know, that- that they could literally medicate you into a very dangerous state, so yeah. that's why they aim for seven point five. But the thing is, for every one percent point uh, of HbA1c, uh, your chance of all of the diabetic complications increases by twenty two percent. You know, so uh, and, and a chance of a cardiovascular, the, your risk of cardiovascular disease increases by thirty seven percent. So you know, the difference between somebody who is Got an HBA one C of five point five, and somebody who is medicated to seven point five and quote you know, on the plan is significant. They're, you know, literally, they're they they're, they're medicating us to to a much higher risk.
2: You say that on a lot of shows, Richard, and I think that's one of the most important things. The the percent change with your HBA one C is seven five is not good for you at all. You know, yeah. and I understand the logic of. Don't don't pull it down too low, but that, you know, I guess that's the luxury of the way that, that we live. But so many people are living with a number that they think is okay and is is absolutely horrible for their for their heart and you know for their brain.
0: Well let's talk about that number because you know it's okay, Carl and Richard, have a couple people on that fit this pattern, but you know, how many people really fit this pattern, this tofi pattern? And I don't have the answer to that, but I will post a link to um To a a study that was done by this doctor, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but according to them who scanned some women, as many as 45% of those with average body weight had excessive levels of internal fat. And among men, the percentage was nearly 60%. So I don't know if that's indicative of the rest of the world, but in this particular study, that's what happened. I think
2: with men, you see that a lot. you see them from the back; they're tall, they're thin. They turn to the side, and and there's that that belly, you know, and it's yeah. it's not a big jiggly belly; it's kind of like almost hard, and that you know that's all visceral fat. So they're they're toffees. I mean, they're skinny people with all their fat in the last place that you want it. Which is and, around your liver, around your kidneys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I think, you know, you, you wear a certain size jean, even if it's down below your belly, you know, you go, oh, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy, you know. And yeah. as a guy, we don't go to the doctor as much as we probably should, so you think you're all right. You go to the doctor and say, you know, give me the workup, and you find out you're you're not good at all. And like you said, Carl, I think there's a lot more people that are like that than than either know or even want to realize, you know.
3: When I finally decided to do something about the diabetes that did involve adding more medication, sure, I changed the way I eat back in um, March 1st of 2014. Mm. I went on a very strict paleo uh, way of eating. Mm. My blood sugars dropped instantly. I came completely off one medication, one diabetic medication. Nice. Another medication I cut in half and I was doing very well with that. And so I, I, I did paleo and pretty strict paleo for a little over two and a half years. Mm. Um, but weight started creeping up a little bit. The blood sugar numbers started creeping up again. And so I started keto um, August of this past year. And from June, the end of June, my um, HbA1c was 6.0. Into the end of January, with those many months of keto, it was down to 5.3. Wow, so even though awesome. clean eating so much and changed mm. so much, another huge factor came in when I started doing keto. Yeah, um, and I don't take medication for um, diabetes. I'm not on any diabetic medications right now. I do take a supplement berberine, um, which mm-hmm. is has some similar effects of um, metformin but i don't do medication and i'm at 5.3 so keto has been a huge piece in changing that
0: yeah
1: i think the critical thing is as diabetics we're not very good at stopping high glucose and so uh, if we don't eat any of the stuff we allow our liver to make what it needs on demand it's very good at keeping the right amount happening. So yeah. I think that's it. That's the difference in between keto and a paleo diet. A paleo diet is probably veering you towards better nutrition. A ketogenic diet is forcing your liver to look after things and to take responsibility for your glucose and that's really where things get dialed in and, and I talk a lot to paleo people about it and when I talk about diabetes treatment using a paleo diet I generally suggest to people go towards the lower carb end of that and if you can ketogenic paleo is ideal ketogenic yeah. paleo is the best of both worlds really
0: right which is essentially just ketogenic isn't it
2: yeah, yeah. Hey, well, yeah. paleo is philosophical keto is physiological. Yeah. Right. And, and they're both good, but I think, yeah, I, I have paleo friends and it's more about, you know, just the way the animal or the plant is sustained and the damage mm. to the earth. And that does lead you to a healthier eating regimen, I would think. Sure. But mm. It's not enough for us. You know, we've got a, a, a issue with our body that needs fixed that doesn't care about how the cow was
0: raised. You know, it, it wants, it wants you to eat better so that it can fix itself. When I think about the common mistakes that people embarking on a low-carb diet um, make, I I think probably the biggest mistake is they think they can just cut back on carbohydrates, cut back on sugar, you know, and maybe Mm -hmm. eat a couple of peaches or an orange or some orange juice and maybe that's it and don't eat the sweet stuff and the bread and all that stuff. And while that's good, it it still doesn't hit that magic number of, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrates a day or lower. Yeah. And you can see even when Tom Naughton, when he did Fathead, he he limited himself to it was it was higher. It was like 150 mm-hmm. 200 grams of carbohydrates a day and he still lost weight over 30 days. But yeah. So while while that is true and you will probably start to reverse your symptoms having glucose higher all the time means you're going to be hungrier all the time, means you're going to be more prone to eat foods that are going to knock you out of it. So that is why I think it's harder to half-ass keto than it is to jump in full bore. Because when you jump in, okay, yeah, you have a few days of, what, what's going on here? Where's my bread? But, um, but after that, you know, you, you sort of don't miss it and you, and you really begin to feel better and uh your and your body starts working for you again so uh, and it's easier it gets easier and easier as we've said would you guys agree yeah that you have to reach that tipping point
2: and and once once you do one like you said your your cravings go down i mean your inflammation goes down your sleep gets better you know which yeah. which works absolute wonders for one on on your for pretty much all of your bodily functions you know to mm-hmm. get your circadian rhythm working and all that and yeah, if you if you do both, you go. I'm kind of low carb, but I'm also eating high fat. You're, in my perspective, you're still too close to the standard American diet that's that yeah. got you where you were. You know, you gotta you gotta go all in. And it's easier. Oh, it's it's so it really is so easy. Like you mentioned the fruit thing, Carl. That's the one thing. Like when I talk to people, even if they say pasta and bread, and you go, what, yeah. whatever. But you say they say, what about fruit? And you go, nah, no fruit. And they they yeah. look at you like you have two heads. You know, and you're yep. like. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just fine, and don't get me wrong. If I could sit down with a big bowl of strawberries and and destroy them, I'd be awesome. But like I, I, you know, I never liked bananas and all that stuff. But I do miss strawberries. But you know, I can have some when I when I want them when they're in season and I get them and right. or a couple a couple berries. So it, you know, I just I can't eat them every day, but mm. I, I don't feel any any loss for that. But yeah, people look at the minutiae instead of looking at the bigger picture of I'm healthy, I'm happy. I, you know, I guess toes are even better than strawberries, you know?
3: (laughs) Well, if you're just trying to cut back on carbs, so maybe it's 150 is you don't reach that point where your hunger decreases and your cravings. So you still want more, you still need to eat frequently. Mm, So you miss out on that benefit that doing it kind of full bore really provides. Amen. Yeah.
0: So, uh, guys, it's been great to have you on. And um, uh, this is a, an issue that we've talked about on the show, but we never really had any Toffees on. So I think uh, <laughs> you guys are blazing a trail, at least for us. Glad to help. You know, uh, we'll be on the ketogenic forums.
2: Um, so come you there. You guys are both admins as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh,
1: and Matt, Matt's the, mis- the mystery moderator that nobody <laughs> knows about. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> I'll make a post, and if anybody else wants to speak to it, or if we have people that you want to drag friends in and say, "Come talk to other skinny people," you know, we'll be there. Um, we're we're here to help. Um, there's, I think, there's a lot more of us than people understand. So thank you yeah. guys for doing this. It's
0: it's been very enlightening and, and helpful, and I hope we help some people. You're welcome, and thank you, Terry. Thank you. All right, guys, you can take us out with the next segment. We call recipes. 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 <laughs> recipes. recipes. Gingivitis. That was awesome. Hi, <laughs> right, Richard. You got something?
1: Yeah, I've got a great recipe. It's chocolate heart. Now, <laughs> the way this recipe came about, uh, we were talking to Nina Teicholz and she mentioned that we should try and eat more offal because offal yeah. is generally uh highly nutritious and of course i'm a notorious liver dodger i can't stand this stuff (laughs) so i've i've tried having marrow and uh i've i've had sweetbreads um which is the pancreas of a sheep i think or
0: a thalamus Uh, gland isn't it it
1: could it could be a thalamus or it's might be both it's it's one of the glands yeah it's a gland It's a gland. Uh, It might be the adrenals, actually. But anyway, so everybody who's been in the ketogenic forums knows that uh, Brenda is a a lover of heart. And uh, she likes hers almost rare. And I'm a little bit squeamish about that. So what I did was I determined that I was going to try and cook some heart. Um, because one of my friends had uh, cooked it once at a dinner party, and I quite enjoyed it. So, uh, so I, um, so I put a question out to our ketogenic forums. I need a recipe. I need a recipe for beef hearts, and I got a couple of uh, suggestions. But uh, I've been wanting to use my sous vide, and somebody gave me a suggestion. Adam Hagen gave me a suggestion in the ketogenic forums uh, to use a sous vide machine to make beef heart. And he suggested, he said... I sous-vide mine a couple of months back. I rubbed the heart with cumin oregano, chili powder, salt, onion powder, and garlic powder, let it dry brine for 24 hours in the fridge, then put it in a vacuum bag with some fresh thyme and some tallow from the renderings from the same cow and set the circulator up and set the time and temperature to 24 hours at 145 Fahrenheit. Uh, once it was cooled, I sliced it and ate it cold with uh, adding it to broth. Now, I modified this recipe slightly because it turned out I actually cooked this recipe on Valentine's Day. Oh, uh, isn't that nice? So we decided (laughs) that uh, uh, it's traditional, obviously, to give uh, chocolate on Valentine's Day, and heart is a cut of meat that works particularly well with hunter spices like like cumin but also like uh, juniper or caraway or... Chocolate.
0: Fragrant spices.
1: Yeah, exactly. Fragrant spices. So I, I used, uh, two tablespoons of, uh, of cacao powder. Uh, I, uh, used a teaspoon of caraway seed and a teaspoon of juniper seed or juniper berries. And I used a teaspoon of cumin seed. I dry brined. So I basically did a dry rub. I, I, I got the heart and I re- removed the pericardium, which is like the, the heart strings inside the heart that sort of holds it together. So I used a knife just to remove those and then rubbed it in this mixture of spices and put it on a plate in the fridge for 24 hours just to dry brine it and then put it in the sous vide bag and I used duck fat. Um, Nice. I know that Adam suggested use uh used the tallow uh but I want if I was going to confit this I wanted to confit it in duck fat. Yeah. which is delicious. So I sous this for 24 hours and I took the heart out and sliced it very very finely and then took the juices from the bag which is the duck fat, the heart juices and all the spices including the chocolate, put it in a pan and reduced it by half and then uh, whisked in a little cream, and that made a basically a nice chocolate flavored sauce. and uh, But it was more like a mole, like a mole chocolate. not, oh, not savory A savory chocolate. Yeah, it's a savory chocolate sauce. And uh, so that was my recipe. It was Chocolate Hearts for Valentine's Day. It was delicious. And I've got a picture of it on our boring keto section huh. on the ketogenic forums.
0: That's great. So that's my recipe. Awesome. <laughs> what have you got, Carl? Well, I, I got what I made last night.
1: What, a cup of macadamias?
0: <laughs> yeah, a cup of macadamias. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Uh, no, I made a, a cowboy ribeye last night, but yeah. I, you know, it's wintertime here, and my grill isn't actually accessible. Mm. It's buried under about three feet of <laughs> snow right now. So, yeah. um, so I went for the, the broiling method, and this method works mm. great, but it's different than you might think of. Here's what you do. It's all in the rub, and I am also using salt, garlic powder, onion powder, uh, mm. and cumin seed, but also crushed peppercorns. Mm. And so this is sort of an ap uh yep. treatment. And a poiv just means that you know you coat that thing in crushed peppercorns and yeah. then you know fry it highly. Mm. So here's what you need: you need about three tablespoons of coarse salt. I use kosher salt, two tablespoons of cumin seed. One tablespoon garlic powder, one tablespoon onion powder. Um, You know, if you want to use fresh, fresher things, that's okay too. But the powder works fine because it it sort of just, uh, you know, it doesn't burn. Mm. Three tablespoons of crushed peppercorns. Now, when I say crushed, yeah, I guess you could take your pepper grinder and crush pepper, but really what you can do is get a mortar and pestle yeah. or put them in a blender yeah. or what do you guys call it, the magic bullet? Yeah. Um, you know, you want to break them open, but you want big chunks of these peppercorns.
1: I've got a big granite mortar and pestle for precisely this purpose.
0: Me too. Yeah. Yeah, me me too. So that's what I use, but you can use a hammer, you know, if you have a hammer. You can put the peppercorns in a in a ziploc bag and just whack them with a hammer.
1: Yeah. And a brick? Hammer and a brick brick. (laughs) Stone.
0: Let's go caveman here. Yeah. Fad mix steak. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so, so now what you do is you pat your steak and I get a bone in ribeye. That's about 22 to 24 ounces with the bone in mm. big, thick, you yeah. know, maybe an inch and a half thick. It's tastiest around the bone, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Gnawing the meat that's around the bone is the absolute best in the world, even though it looks barbaric, but you know, <laughs> Hey, come on, get over it. Um, so you take all this stuff, you mix it up and apply it liberally to all sides of your ribeye mm. and then take a cast iron skillet. I've, you know, I got these new lodge cast irons that are only about a foot round Yeah, and they're, they only have a little lip on the edge and Terry's mm-hmm. nodding her head. You must have these too, Terry. Yeah. I got them at Walmart for like 20, 12 bucks or something each. It was easy. So these are perfect for, for this thing. But if you don't have that, just get a cast iron pan, put it on the burner on high. And when I say high, I mean, High, high heat, (laughs) no oil, no butter, no nothing. Just sear it for about four minutes on each side. Mm. Okay. You take that and you put it right into a 375 degree Fahrenheit oven Mm. and stick a meat thermometer in there. Halfway through, which is only going to take about four minutes, five minutes, maybe six. You flip it, right? You flip it so that you get it cooking up from, from the bottom. Mm. And when that sucker reaches 120 degrees Fahrenheit inside, take it out and take it off the pan. Don't let it rest on the pan. Otherwise it's going to continue to cook. Yeah. And that's nodding his head. You're a meat guy, Matt. I know you are. You <laughs> too, Terry. Um, uh, you take it off, you let it just rest and let it yeah. rest for at least five minutes. So the juices won't, just spill out when you cut into it. I like a wooden chopping
1: board for that kind of thing. It's me perfect. Too. Yeah. Exactly
0: what I do. Mm. And let me tell you something, kids. This is – Ruth's Chris has nothing on this. I mean, this is essentially the best ribeye I've ever had. Nice. crusty, wow. <laughs> peppery. Oh, yeah. And I put two tablespoons of butter on it because, you know, I'm trying to <laughs> eat 5,000 calories a day. <laughs> and that's a couple hundred extra. I'm going to jump
2: in on, on your recipe, Carl. But I think the big thing, people, when you said you put it there for four minutes, put it there and yes. leave it there. do yes. your in, intuition is to move it. You're going to hear all the sizzling and everything. That's your Mallard reaction. That's that's your business. That's what so you he, want. Yeah, leave it there and and trust Carl. <laughs> because <laughs> the crust the, the crust that you get if you move it around, it's it's you know, it's almost going to steam.
0: Yeah, just leave
2: right. it there and and yeah, it's it's so amazing. It's so good.
0: So good. <laughs> All right. That's what I got. And that's a show. Again, Matt, thank you. Terry, thank you. Yeah. It's been great to have you.
2: Oh, absolutely. Thanks for um, making me a part of this family and and, and keeping me healthy. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing everybody over at the forums. Thanks, Terry.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, Send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post
0: it on a website. And you can follow us on Twitter at 2 dudes, on Instagram at 2 dudes, And of course, if you want to join our forum, it's free and easy. It's at www.ketogenicforums.com or forum2 And if useless swag is your fancy, you know, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on them, head over to gear2
1: And if you feel like supporting our podcast and our forums, hit the donate button on our website at www2 Or
0: just go to donate2 for a shortcut. Well, keep calm and keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right. And we'll see you next time on Two Keto Dudes.